everybody. Welcome to Teutonic Takes. Uh, I know it's been a while since you've seen us both, yeah. um, but here we are. What's up, Ivan? Welcome. Or maybe it's you welcoming me back, right? Yeah, welcome back uh, to you know this recap podcast, uh, part of what we do here at the Teutonic Takes uh, podcast. Uh, I know we've both been working on different uh, projects in the last uh, few weeks, if not months, but here we are again. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's it's a lot of fun working on all of this stuff that we do together. So um, I'm excited to finally get back to this. But I wish it was on better terms. I wish we were talking playoffs instead of next year. All right. Yes. Yeah, so to be clear, although I'm pretty sure most people listening to this podcast are aware, uh, Quakes aren't out of the playoffs yet. But of course, the key term is yet. It's 99% right. chance that they won't be in the playoffs. They need to win their three remaining games. One of those in the next one being against Portland Timbers. Uh and they need other results to go their way. That's never really a good combination when you're three points away, let alone uh, seven or nine points. So it's really tough. Yeah, it was a different story if we would have won this game, right? I was looking at the table yesterday, and I was like, ah, man, if we were at 39 points sitting looking at other people at 44, that's a little more likely, right? But it's still kind of a long shot. But, yeah, this game, this last game versus Vancouver was some points dropped at home. And, you know, it's funny that it came down to one of our own guys, right, at the beginning of the season that we had on our show blocking that goal going in for the Quakes to win by Chris Wondolowski goal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was happy after the Austin game. I thought, wow, finally we get a thrashing. You know, like we were this team didn't have a really big problem getting that convincing win. It was always a two to one or a last minute kind of win this year, or it was a one one draw. We never got that last minute goal in. Um, but Ivan, thoughts on the both games? What's your thought on the Austin game first off? Yeah, so we'll set things up here. So the Quakes used a 4-2-3-1 formation against Austin. GT Martin casting in goal. Tommy Thompson, Nathan, Tanner Beeson, and Marcos Lopez as their back four. They had Eric Remedy and Jackson Yule as their holding midfielders. Chofis Lopez and Benji Kakanovich as the wingers. Andy Rios in the 10 slot. And Jeremy Abobasi up top. And we saw Espinoza, Marie, Wando, Cowell, and Fierro come on as subs. And missing that game, uh, the main injury was Luciano Abacasius, who's out with a lower left injury, and we didn't see him in the Vancouver game either. Whereas for Austin, starting 11, who are coached by the U.S. men's national team player Josh Wolf, he scored the go-ahead goal in the 2001 World Cup qualifying Dos Zero match in Columbus. Um, his lineup was Brad Suver in goal, Nick Lima, Julio Cascante, Johan Romagna, and Zan Kolmanic in their back line. Thomas Pochettino and Alexander Ring, a very strong uh, holding midfield partnership. Well, not this game, but usually. Uh, their wingers were Diego Fagundes and Cecilio Dominguez, with Sebastian Driussi as their 10, and Musa Digite was up top as their striker. And then we saw Gaines, Redes, Pereira, and Kutimane up. Uh, is their substitutes with Andrew Tarbell, former Quake, as their backup goalkeeper, and Danny Hoosen was one of their notable injuries. He's been out for much of the season uh, with a left hip. Yeah. So a lot of crazy. He's been back and forth between the these season. two clubs here, former Quakes players in both games, but especially in the Austin uh, setup. Yeah, and Danny Husen, like I was saying, has been out almost a whole year. So that was a free 50000 and a 
and uh, actually an expansion pass for this year, right? So thank you, Austin mm-hmm. FC, for taking Danny Houston from us. Um, yeah. But yeah. One of the think... few bad decisions, if we're being honest. Like, we love Danny Houston, but in terms of building to be a competitive team right away in MLS, the best ability is availability. Houston hasn't been able to be available. But when you look at the rest of this roster, yes, we were able to beat them 4-0. But we've seen them play very well throughout the you know, this MLS season in spurts and their DPs all look like solid DP signings. Thomas Pochettino, Sebastian Derussi and Cecilio Dominguez. They're the quality DPs that, you know, they're on uh, Christian Espinoza's level, maybe a little bit better. And we'd be happy to have those types of players at San Jose Earthquakes. So that's something that they can still improve on, even compared to teams who are already eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, and, and kind of looking at the game mm-hmm. versus Austin, I thought, you know, wow, 4-0. I mean, going into the half, I think it was 0-1-0. So yeah. it was it was nothing too crazy. But um, I'm excited. You know what? I'm excited for next year. I know we're kind of I'm, – I'm included throwing in the towel this year. But I'm excited for Benji Kikanovic. I mean, this is a guy who came out of nowhere, right? Um, he's starting over Espinoza. That's why I think, uh, unfortunately, Espinoza's one foot out the door already. I think maybe they're looking at kind of getting rid of him and possibly just having Benji take over that role. Um, and I would be okay with that. I, I think Espinoza wasn't performing at his DP level. I know we want to talk about how bad Andy Rios is, but hey, <laughs> Andy Rios is starting. You know, I Espinoza's disagree. Not, I don't so. think that Espinoza's play as well as he can, but I don't think he's been mm-hmm. a liability either. He's been contributing steady stream of assists, key passes, mm-hmm. a few goals throughout this season and last season. Um, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, it feels like unless he gets a hat trick of assists, like it doesn't seem like enough. But I think if Espinoza were to move on, it wouldn't be in the same caliber of failed experiment as it would have been as we departed parted ways with Vaco. Mm, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I yes. think Espinoza was, I would say, on a one to ten, probably a seven, six or a seven. Seven. Well, Vaco was a five or a six. Espinoza was a six or a yeah. seven. Okay, I'll give it six point five because yeah. we made the playoffs once. Um, he was up there in assist every year, mm-hmm. uh, but he never really, really reached the peak of one of the best players in the league. And I feel like he has that potential, but it's just maybe not something that's happening. Uh, and we have guys like Benji Kakanovic and Cade Cal coming up where I think we, if we're going to play the young guys, we need to play the young guys. And maybe, uh, I don't know, nowadays, what are we going to do with all this money? I know <laughs> the money is going to come off of Carlos Fierro and Andy Rios. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they resign on a very small contract because I think a lot of these guys like living in the Bay Area. And I, and a lot of them have roots here now. So, um don't be surprised when Andy Rio signs a 200k contract with uh, the San Jose Earthquakes and Alveda plays him next year. So, um, or even the same goes with Carlos Fierro, a 300k contract. Maybe he stays around. Um, and, and I think the sentiment of Carlos Fierro, at least, is they would like him is to come improved, back yes. on a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no problem with that. Um, but overall, 4-0 win. That was a fun win. Chofis Lopez got on the board. Chris Wondolowski snagged a goal. Um, it was a fun time at PayPal. Mm-hmm. Ivan, were you there? 
Uh, I wasn't able to make it to the Austin game. I was at the Vancouver game. And a few more stats from that okay. game. Uh, San Jose Earthquakes had more shots, 20-15 to 15 advantage. And they also had more shots on target, 9-5 uh, to five advantage. They outpossessed Austin 55% to 45% with a greater passing accuracy at 82%. Three chances created, 10-8 to eight advantage on corners. They fouled two more times than Austin did. They had one offsides. There's no yellow cards for once, but that's pretty much the stats for that game. So the most complete performance of this season, I think. Wait, no yellow card? I think there was a yellow card in that game, Ivan. There was uh, Marcos Lopez got a yellow card that was really stupid. And I remember remember getting really mad about that. And then um, then Nathan, I think, got a yellow too because he was out on accumulation. I don't know why I had no yellow cards. Maybe... uh, don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't stress about yes. it. But yeah, I want to talk about that Marcos Lopez yellow. Yeah. What was it... up with that? What was going through his mind? That was a very young mistake because we were up 3 0. Yeah. We were on a breakaway. No need to pick up another extra yellow. When I, we are going to need you for that Vancouver game. Yeah. And I think as well, when the game is that much settled, I think that there should be more of an emphasis on subbing out players who are one yellow away from being suspended. And I think it was too late for Nathan, but we saw Paul Marie come on for Tommy Thompson, and Tommy Thompson hasn't played all too much this season. So if Tommy Thompson goes the full 90 in this game, uh, maybe he doesn't play as much as he does in the Vancouver game. Uh, Although I'm trying to also think about that game as well. Tommy Thompson did get a yellow card that game, but that's not what I'm looking for. Uh, Tommy Thompson was subbed off that game for Shea Salinas. So mm-hmm. event, they didn't play him full 90 both games anyway. So, But I like what Tommy Thompson has done this year so far. I'm going to say that. I think yes. he can step into that Shea role um, either next year or the year after, no problem. I think Paul Marie can do something like that too. I've been happy with their play. So I think subbing off Marcos Lopez, if he's one yellow away – and maybe I think Matias didn't know that. I think I think maybe someone didn't go ahead and let him know that, or they weren't looking for it, because Marcos Lopez usually doesn't get a yellow card. So right. I mean, it might have been something where it was like, oh snap, you know, oh now we gotta go into or Vancouver coming in without our best defender because he hands yeah. down is our best defender. Yes, our so, best fullback for sure, and yeah, our best defender too. Uh, Nathan sort of let that title slip in the last couple of games. I think Nathan's great, but I think Marcos Lopez is world-class because, I mean, he, he goes up head-to-head with likes of Brazil, likes of Argentina, and he, he does a good job with them. So right. I think Marcos Lopez, this is not the last stepping stone in Marcos Lopez's career. Oh, that's no, for sure. okay. Yeah, I, I agree. And so let me be clear with the Tommy Thompson point. So he gets subbed off both Austin and Vancouver. If you put in Paul Marie for Marcos Lopez in this game, you save him for Vancouver because he can't get booked. Tommy Thompson plays the full 90. He can start for Vancouver, but he doesn't go the full 90. He gets subbed for Salinas in Vancouver, which they did anyway. So that would have been an easy fix. And it's the little things that make the biggest differences. And who knows if Marcos Lopez uh, was playing in the Vancouver game. Does he prevent that goal from happening? It was more of a central area, so I think it's more of Nathan's absence being the key mm. uh, contributor there. But 
it sure helps. Maybe Marcos Lopez's attacking yeah. strength, he's able to whip in a cross or he's able to shoot one from outside the box that goes in. That would also make a difference too. So we win 2-1. So that is still a key suspension that, you know, it. while we were enjoying the 4-0 win over Austin, that was still l- lingering over our head and then it came to fruition there. Of course. Um, yeah, and, and the silver lining out of that actually might be Jackson Ewell's got to play center back. It probably would have been Marcos Lopez playing that center back role. Um, but we got to see Jackson Ewell in that center back role. So. Yeah. So just to wrap up Austin, because that was the less eventful of the two games, uh, the player of the match, uh, offensively, you give it to Benji there, but the, and he won the uh, poll for both games. Obviously, he got yeah. the goal for the Vancouver game. So he was most likely going to be the runaway winner for that poll anyway, but defensively, uh, I done goofed and I didn't put Tanner Beeson on that poll and I probably should have. He had a particularly important goal line clearance in that game while it was still uh, in the balance. So that was an important contribution from Tanner Beeson and a lot of our young players contributing this season, which is definitely the best storyline that we could have asked for. Yeah, and um, it's it, it's just it makes me look back on the season and think what would have happened if Jeremy Bobsey didn't get hurt, right? Yeah, that was a this turning team point. Plays completely different. Yeah, with him, and so it's just it's completely unfortunate, and 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 as well as Benji, right? What would have happened if Benji didn't get injured? Um, because he was play, he's playing lights out now, so it's it's like the only player on the press conferences too that wants to talk to us, right? Yes, so, and. and it's funny because he's always talking about he's giving the honest truth like hey at the end of the day we didn't win we need to win yeah so he handles them so well i'm very impressed with his answers hopefully we get a chance to uh upload some of uh benji's uh press conference questions on our youtube channel at tectonic takes but yeah uh just being in that press conference uh, and listening to him speak, this didn't feel like a rookie. This felt like, you know, he's been doing this for years and he just has that confidence in himself. Like he knows what he's capable of. And even though it, everyone in the Quicks fandom will be very happy with how Benji is doing, he seems like the type of player that like win, lose or draw, he's going to be in the gym the next day trying to get better. Right. Right, and that and that's what you love to see out of a player. And uh, I, you know what, this might be a stretch, but I, I kind of see a captain in him. Uh, I think maybe five or six years down the road, I can see a captain in him. I think he's very poised. I think he's the type of personality where he'll tell you the truth. Um, but I, I could see a captain in him. Yep, Ivan. Yes, I agree. The Benji can be yep. a captain. So, I think for now he's going to be one of the most important players for whatever happens in the upcoming season. Next up for the All right, so we- Whitecaps games, uh, the changes in the lineup, Tanner B- Beeson's new center back partner for that game was Jackson Ewell, which is definitely uh, a surprising decision, but it was a really good mm-hmm. decision. It turns out Paul Murray right. filled in right. at left back. We saw Andy Rios move into the center midfielder spot that was vacated by Jackson Ewell. And then we have our front four of Kikanovic, Espinoza, Chofis, and Ibobasi. And we saw Fierro, Salinas, Wando, Cowell, and Scan come on. 
And for the Whitecaps, with Vinny Certini acting as their interim coach, they had a 3-4-1-2 formation. Maxime Cripeau was their goalkeeper, and he always seems to play well against the Quakes. Then they had a back three of Flo Youngworth, Renko Veselinovic, and Eric Godoy. Their wingbacks were Bruno Gaspar and Christian Dahomey, with Russell Tybert and Leonard Owusu in their center mid spots. Uh, Scottish Messi, a.k.a. Ryan Gold, was their number 10, and their strike partnership was Brian White and Deber Sacedo, with Lucas Cavallini, Michael Baldissimo, Javain Brown, and Ryan Raposo coming off their bench. And they're not necessarily any notable injuries, but they had multiple players come back from injury. Uh, two of their center backs, Veselinovic and Godoy, recently recovered from injuries, as well as Bruno Gaspar. But Bruno Gaspar, one of the least likely players of either t- team to score in this match he scored the opening goal and that was a bit of a sucker punch yeah and i mean do you think this vancouver team makes the playoffs ivan i see no reason why not they've gotten the job done they were in a similar position as the san jose earthquakes were uh two months ago the difference was vancouver whitecaps were able to pick up more points than the quakes and I think they have a better team. Like you can't really debate that. Looking at where these two teams are headed in opposite directions, and they've really built the roster. They went and brought in a game-changing DP, and maybe this is where some of the criticism for Espinoza is a bit more warranted because he has been a contributor for the Quakes, but Ryan Gold has been at another level for the Whitecaps, and right, they've been able to win the hard games. I think. I was not as shocked at Vancouver turning a 2-0 deficit around to a 3-2 win over Portland as I would be the Quakes winning in any fashion against Portland, if we're being honest, come Wednesday. Mm. Yeah, um, Jeremy Bobasi needs to start banging in goals too. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he came in with a pretty big price tag, and, and I know he got injured, and I know he's getting back into the thick of things, but I'm going to need some more out of Jeremy Bobasi, especially because this team is kind of catered to what he needed out of Portland, and he didn't get that in Portland. So he needs to go ahead and make sure that he shows us that he has that nine ability because he was. if you guys were following Portland, he was actually moved over to the wing spot yeah. um, because they brought in a nine to go ahead and play uh, Felipe Mora, I believe it was. But yeah. Now they they didn't have a spot for Jeremy Bosey, and the Quakes saw that. Chris Leach saw that and, and thought, okay, the Quakes could use a nine, a real nine, and they kind of brought him over. So he needs to go start scoring them goals, and I, I'm assuming next year he's going to have a 10-plus season, but I need to see a little bit out of him now. Um, and yesterday was a great opportunity to kind of cement himself in this starting lineup, and unfortunately the job didn't get done. Benji got on the board, but nothing else came from the Quakes. Um, Wondolowski almost got another one because, you know, Wando's goals come in bunches. But, unfortunately, Florian Youngvert, our own Florian Youngvert, was the one to stop that goal oh, from man. going in. Yeah. And it's – you know, we were all saying what a great transfer that was. But if we don't make the playoffs because of that transfer, then it's it wasn't uh, a because great of that transfer, moment, right? at least in the short term. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Um, definitely. So we'll see. Uh, I guess, Ivan, anything to look forward to in the last couple of games coming up? Yeah, so let's first uh, wrap up the Vancouver game. So it was another strong statistical game for the Quakes. They had 16-7 to advantage on shots, and both teams uh, had three shots on target. So that was probably the biggest issue there, not converting on those chances. 13 shots off target is crap. 
But the rest yeah. of the stats are in the Quakes' favor. They had 64% possession, 83% passing accuracy. They had two chances created to Vancouver zero. They had five to two corner advantage. Uh, Vancouver fouled three more times. One offside for the Quakes, and this time I'm pretty certain the only yellow card was the uh, Tommy Thompson uh, yellow card. And um, mm. yeah, and this game was, I guess, back and forth, back and forth the yes, whole game. It um, was the Quakes were really pressing at the end. They sending long balls because they understood that they had to win this game. Um, and it, it, it's unfortunate that PayPal wasn't a fortress. I'm using Chris Wondolowski's words here. Uh, we need to get some more wins at home because. PayPal Park needs to be a fortress, and it wasn't that this There was year. the home field advantage, home. just can't cash in on it. And it was a very special day, of right. course. We had so many members of the 2001 MLS Cup uh, team in attendance due to the 20th anniversary celebration. And for those of you who weren't there and you didn't see the tweet, uh, players that were there included Dominic Kinnear, Frank Yallop, Joe Cannon, Ramiro Corrales, Jimmy Conrad, Ronald Cerritos, Dwayne De Rosario, Troy Dayak, and Jeff Agus. The notable uh, absence, of course, was Landon Donovan, but he had a game to coach in San Diego the following day, so it probably would have been very tough for him to do that on such a short turnaround. But it was a great atmosphere. It was a great game. Fans got their uh, uh, commemorative uh, 2001 uh, championship rings, which... Uh, will look great with my 1975 Golden State Warriors ring. Uh, here's the box, anyway, uh, for the uh, San Jose Earthquakes ring. I posted the ring itself on Instagram. Uh, but, yeah, the stage was set for at least a stronger uh, attacking performance than we got in terms of the shots that weren't converted. And it was so nearly there for that go-ahead goal, but... All it takes is those moments, and it was one moment of being unable to convert a goal from Wondolowski having a shot blocked by Flo Youngworth, and another moment of, you know, JT Marcinkowski, who otherwise had a good night, he wasn't able to hold on to the ball in a savable shot, and then Bruno Gaspar, of all people, he gets there first, and he gives Vancouver a crucial goal as well. Yeah, and... What a great night, but what a great way to ruin it, right? So yeah. our playoff chant has really ended yesterday um, on a great night. The mural looks really nice. Ivan, what would you think of that mural? The mural was great. I wasn't able to see it in person, but I saw the pictures. Uh, fans described it to me at the tailgate, and it was really incredible there. And even people who weren't Quakes fans, when I talked about it on Discord and other social media platforms – uh, they were really uh, excited about that mural. They thought that it was really great that, you know, it's another piece of Quakes history and soccer history that is being a part of the, the literal fabric of the community here in San Jose. And the more of those things that exist uh, for MLS clubs and soccer in general, as we've seen murals for, you know, Lakers and Dodgers and Los Angeles and things of that sort, uh, Warriors in Oakland and SF, then it really does feel like soccer is growing in this country. We need some more of that. I think yeah. we really do need some more of that. Like, like uh, especially maybe a mural of Chris Wondolowski and Shea Salinas, you know, side by side with Bernardes and that we believe season or the never say die season. So maybe Goonies we see another one die. when that 20 year anniversary comes up. So yeah, the never say die uh, Goonies mentality. Um, maybe we see Lenhart with that crazy hair on the <laughs> mural, but um, yeah, that was an I incredible think, hairstyle. 
I think San Jose is a big enough city where you can find walls. You know, it's huge. You could find, and the sharks don't really go crazy with mules, right? So yeah. it's something where it could be in the fabric. I know it's going to be something that people I know maybe aren't interested in soccer, but it's like a cool Instagram picture with the blue mural behind it. You know, so right. it's like it's something where it, yeah, let's get some more of that. Yeah, so I, I really like that. Um, and unfortunately, Landon Donovan couldn't make it. I feel like he was a big part of that team. Yes, so. he was absolutely a huge part of it. It was his first MLS no. Cup. It was the very start of his career. Uh, if he doesn't have that kind of season, Landon Donovan's not in the World Cup squad in 2002 for Japan and Korea. And if he's not in the World Cup squad, uh, maybe USA don't go as far as they did. Their best ever finish mm. in the modern era. So. Uh, love him or hate him, Landon Donovan is an important part of Quake's history, MLS history, and U.S. soccer history. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I I thought what a what a what a horrible way to end it. But we uh, move on to the next game, right, Ivan? Yeah, we move on to the next games uh, after we get through some recent results. I, I won't say all of them, since some of them were between teams that weren't really uh, playoff relevant, but. We saw Sounders uh, lose 1-0 to Sporting Kansas City. This was important for two reasons. Sporting Kansas City clinched their playoff status, and New England Revolution clinched their supporter shield with that result. Uh, the Columbus crew, the defending champions, get a hammer blow to their playoff hopes as the New York Red Bulls beat them 2-1. New York City FC beat DC United 6-0. Um, that was yeah. I was shocked about that one. Yeah, one more goal than uh, Liverpool scored against Manchester United this weekend, unfortunately, or fortunately in Fabi's case. Uh, Philadelphia Union beat Nashville one zero. Uh, Minnesota United and LAFC drew one one. Inter Miami keep their playoff hopes alive with a five one win over Cincinnati, and the reason the Quakes weren't eliminated yet. Uh, Chicago Fire beat Real Salt Lake 1-0. So Real Salt Lake, uh, they're starting to panic a little bit too. And then we had Rapids beating Timbers 2-0. So Rapids clinched their playoff spot. And Galaxy and FC Dallas drew 2-2. Galaxy not pleased with that result. With uh, As well on Sunday, we had Orlando beat New England 2-0. I think you will see that New England Revolution mischief managed. They're done for the regular season. They're not going to take those remaining games seriously, so they don't care if they lose out. I mean, they already won the Supporter Shield. Nothing else to do other than be ready for the MLS playoffs. Any result that surprised you, Favi? Yeah, the the DC United one really, yeah. really, really shocked me because I, I spoke to Tony Alfaro with a defender of DC United, and he was telling me that every single game is a playoff game, so to lose a playoff game like 6-0 is, is very very shocking. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking at DC United's Twitter feed, and a lot of the people are saying that's probably the worst DC United defeat of all time. So, uh, definitely, that was a shocking result. Uh, Inter Miami winning 5-1. to one. I mean, the results came out, or the reports came out that Iguain uh, kind of wanted out. So, seeing them kind of bring bring on a 5-1 kind of win was a little shocking, to say the least. But um, RSL losing... That was good, but yeah. but the Quakes could have gone ahead and and I guess you know capitalized, but they didn't. So um, the Eastern Conference is a little more shocking to me, I would say. Yes, and so let's start with the Eastern Conference for the standings update. So obviously at the top, New England Revolution, but it gets interesting after that. You have Philadelphia Union second, just ahead of Nashville, both on forty nine points. You have Orlando City, New York City, New York Red Bulls, and Atlanta United filling those playoff spots. But 
Montreal is level on points with Red Bulls and Atlanta United, so they are still very well in the mix. D.C. United with 41 points, Inter-Miami and Columbus Crew with 38, and then the rest of the Eastern Conference is eliminated at that point. So San Jose Earthquakes with 37 points. They have the lowest points total of any team still not yet mathematically eliminated. So that's not a great place to be, not only because obviously we're most likely not making the playoffs, but it essentially means right now we are the seventh worst team in MLS. Ahead of the Texas teams in the Western Conference, ahead of Chicago Fire, Toronto FC, and FC Cincinnati. So that's not the class that we envision ourselves to be in. Um... This episode, uh, podcast episode, will be titled Heroes and Sidekicks because of our last segment. Uh, and needless to say, uh, San Jose Earthquakes really feel like a sidekick right now in the MLS uh, landscape here. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, sh- the most shocking thing about this is actually I'm, I'm looking at the teams and we're three games away, right? Three games away from the end of the season and only six teams out of 27 teams are eliminated. So... As an MLS fan, as a as a neutral, this stuff. actually had a very exciting time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so very exciting time if you're an MLS fan, because except for us, I mean, we're San Jose Earthquakes fans, but everybody's still available to make. The as playoffs. Abby so will remind me every time, time I talk to her, it could be worse. <laughs> it could be Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. What, what what if you're a Cincinnati fan? Ah, you have Brenner. You spent ten million on that guy. Eesh. This, they're they're the Watford of MLS, but even that is a disservice to Watford because Watford are looking kind of decent in the Premier League, but they don't give their managers enough time to build anything sustainable, and then they're just stuck in that same position. Hey, hey, Watford won five to one versus Everton yesterday. So hey, maybe the comparison they, maybe can pull something out. The comparison is strictly in terms of like sacking their managers at the rate that the, the two clubs have ah. had, but. In terms of performances, yeah, Watford have done a lot better for themselves. In the Western Conference, though, so no one has clinched the Western Conference yet. The top three is Seattle Sounders, 58, Sporting Kansas City, and Colorado Rapids, 55 points each. So any of those three teams can still win the Western Conference with three games left. And then in the next tier, fourth place, Portland Timbers, 46 points starting us off, then followed by Galaxy, 46, Minnesota, 45 Vancouver 44, and then the playoff line uh, sees Rail Salt Lake underneath with 42, and LAFC with 41. So if we were in either Rail Salt Lake or LAFC's shoes with 42 and 41 points, even if we just got a draw in this last game and it still wouldn't be satisfactory then, uh, that would still be a better position to be in because you're still only three points away. And with the schedule that remains, we have a strong team that remains with Portland Timbers. Uh, we have a slightly less strong but still tough opponent with Real Salt Lake. And then we have FC Dallas. So three different levels of opponents there. So you can probably plan on maybe beating FC Dallas for three points. And you have to get what you can get there. But now that's not good enough for the Quakes. Just to even have a chance... You have to get nine points to get up to 46, which is only good enough for fourth or fifth. And that's in a vacuum where no one else has done anything yet. But that's not the case. We don't operate in a vacuum. Uh, The other teams will have chances to get points as well. And the biggest uh, missed opportunity, of course, was taking three points away from Vancouver. Being on 40 Mm. points and that four-point gap on Vancouver 
that would be a little bit easier to uh, make up as opposed to now where it's seven points. Yeah, I agree. I feel like um, they would have been on 39 points because you would have to minus one, but it would be a closer kind of um, go at it, right? So, but kind of looking at these next remaining games, um, I'm I'm a little interested on the Montreal Forge game. You're having a Canadian Championship game kind of <laughs> in the end, in the thick of things while they're in the playoff game. So that that's a little funny to me. <laughs> but yeah yeah so i i don't know how the canadian championship works but it is something that is important in the sense that montreal are competing in this competition as well as they're chasing a playoff spot so you're gonna see a lot of rotation in that game but of course the canadian championship is the best opportunity for canadian teams to get some silverware so you don't want to rotate too much either but of course the most important thing right now is mls playoff uh participation uh, other games I'm going to be looking at, Tuesday night uh, is a big game. It's uh, Diego Rossi versus uh, Nicolas Ladero, except Ladero is still hurt. LAFC versus Seattle Sounders, that's going to be Rock a big game. Gone. Oh, Diego Rossi is <laughs> gone. Rossi's in Turkey, though. Oh, sorry. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Brian Rodriguez, you mean. Brian, Brian Rodriguez, Rodriguez, yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, another but- big game uh, – Kind of uh, on Wednesday at 4 p.m. New England versus Colorado Rapids. Again, it depends on who shows up for New England. If they still put a, a strong lineup there, we're gonna really see what the Rapids are made of. Uh, another interesting game on that day will be uh, Sporting Kansas City versus LA Galaxy, as well as Whitecaps versus Minnesota United. And then lastly. Uh, Thursday, October 28th, the one-off CONCACAF Champions League final, Monterrey versus America. Uh, who do you think is going to win that, Fabi? I think America is going to kind of sadly I agree. cement themselves again. Yeah. Yeah, I think America is their their squad's too strong. I think um I think they have some crazy depth. They have some players like Aquino that is just lights out when it comes to these CONCACAF matches. Um and I think they're going to do a great job. I they have Layun now, so they stole Lyon from Monterey, so I think they're going to get the job done. All right. Uh, I unfortunately agree. America just seemed to be near unstoppable uh, either in CONCACAF Champions League or their domestic league as well in Liga MX. For the Quakes remaining games, so Timbers away, RSL away, and FC Dallas at home. Uh, from 0 to 9, what's the point tall you predict for those last three games? I'm assuming seven points. I'm thinking seven points. I'm a little, I'm a little optimistic. I think we tie the Timbers, we get eliminated, and we beat RSL to be the like the spoilers, and then we beat FC Dallas in Wando's last game at PayPal Park. I'll I'll give them six points. I don't see them beating the Timbers, but I can see mm. them beating Real Salt Lake. We already beat them once in their home stadium, so it can happen. And we owe them a little bit of payback for what they did at Via Stadium as well. And uh, FC Dallas, uh, I think we got to finish strong. We got to do it for Wando. And FC Dallas, aside from Jesus Ferreira and Ricardo Pepe, I feel like most of their players, they just haven't been playing at the level that they need to for FC Dallas to be improving either. So that's how I see it. Looking at the dates between the the second to last game versus the last game, we have twelve days in between. So that's another international break. Um, 
Sorry, it should be Sunday, than... November 7th. Sorry. So we have oh. eight days in between. Don't worry. Yeah, eight days in between. So I hope the Quakes really start rolling out the red carpet for Wando. We start to see some memorial videos, maybe some um, something. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be his last year. Uh, I think – I don't know. Uh, Matias Almeida said something kind of weird um, about Chris Wondolowski re- possibly maybe coming back next year when I asked him about what's going on I next year. I hope they don't do this again. Guys... <laughs> like... Yeah, right. So we'll see. Maybe we squeeze out another year out of Wando. Why not? Like I think Wando still contributing in some sort of aspect where he can be a late sub, um, maybe on a cheaper deal, of course, but maybe we get another year out of Wando. Um, the emotional yeah, part we'll of me we... agrees 100%. More Wando, the better. But from a GM standpoint, from a team building standpoint, and from also like you know, you we've I feel like we've sold Wando up a river a couple of times where we've p- promised him that there was going to be a competitive team for him, a playoff level team. We barely squeaked into it in 2020. We're not going to get the job done in 2021 most likely. It's going to be really tough to sell Wondolowski again. Uh, on 2022 to play again, we're gonna make the playoffs this time when it just hasn't been uh, an open and shut case. Uh, I can't compare ourselves to the Seattle Sounders. Seattle Sounders, what they've done is incredible. It, every season they've been in MLS from uh, 2008 or wherever it was onwards to the present, they made the playoffs. It would be nice to have some kind of consistency like that for two years in a row. We can't even do that. So. I think with Wondolowski retired, that opens the door for Jeremy Obobese. He gets more minutes at the nine. He gets Benji Kakanovich also could potentially sub in for him. Or if you, want, you need to sub out Obobese, you can move Benji up top. Like That will help this next phase of the San Jose Earthquakes. So. Uh, Mm-hmm. And also, like, just mentally, like, we've had our mindset set on this is the one to last season. So if that changes again, it's a bit of a blindside, and it, it does have to reshuffle the next several moves that the Quakes have to make to become more relevant. But I think all Quakes fans would love Wando next yeah. year. So. Of course. There's a large yeah. segment of Quakes fans who go to the game strictly because of Chris Wondolowski. But we also have, yeah, in the sense of their position and their hometown status, uh, being Bay Area natives, Benji Kikanovich can be that next Wondolowski. Mm. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I think because he's relative to the area, or he's a NorCal guy. Yeah, um, San Jose and Sacramento, Wondo in Danville, but yeah, pretty much. So okay, yeah. So let's go ahead and go into the listener questions. All right, Ivan. So Luis Velasquez asks, "What can we do to be more consistent next year? We need to bury the chances given." Uh, Favi, do you have any new insights on this? Because I feel like we've asked answered this question a couple of times. <laughs> uh, consistency means depth. We need to get some depth in this roster. Um, we need to not do those stupid yellow card accumulation misses, mm-hmm. like suspensions. So. Um, definitely we need to get rid of that stuff. Um, but that I think getting rid of the stupid yellow cards would be an easy way to be more consistent because then you get your more regular players playing every single game. So I think that's a big thing. So I agree with you. Uh, I don't really have any more to add because I'm at a loss when it comes to this team's inconsistency. They've tried just about everything. or So we think Ty asks about the level of experimentation at the end of the season. 
Is the team getting close to having a set identity play style or continue to be expect the unexpected? And I think the team probably or definitely at this point isn't good enough to play the same way every time. I think that they do need an element of surprise to be effective and part of that was shown against the Vancouver game when Jackson Newell he got uh, chosen to start as a center back and he was clearing everything with authority he was intercepting passes he was starting the attack he was disrupting their movements and no one could have seen that coming uh, especially you know uh, their interim coach is doing a good job with Vancouver, of course, putting him in his position to make the playoffs, but I don't think he was prepared to deal with that. Uh, I think, and Vancouver did score the goal off of a rebound from JT Marcinkowski, so I think part of that identity will still be there as Quakes will still likely not be the most uh, dominant team, despite often having more possession of the ball, that they're still going to be relying on counterattacks and uh, counterpunching. But I think that there's still going to be some aces that have to be kept up the sleeves. Yeah, I agree with, with what you said there. I think that that was plenty. Um, the next question is from Joro27. asks, why was Florian so bitter towards everyone? Um, I liked what you said on Titanic Tech's, uh Twitter, yeah. Ivan, um, that he's just a mercenary type of player. He's a bounty player. hunter. I mean, he, he's someone, yeah, a bounty hunter. Yeah, exactly. So someone that will just play for the heart and soul of any crest that he wears, and that's the type of player you want on your team. But unfortunately, he's against us now. So um, we we have to live with Florian Youngvert, the the enemy now. So that's that's just unfortunate. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's the fifth minute of extra time. He will tackle you in that minute, and then once the final whistle blows, he will pick you up, shake your hand, and ask you how your family's doing. That's who Flo is. Right, right. Yeah, no, definitely. Flo's a great person off the field. Um, he does a lot of work for um, dogs that need to find homes, so he's definitely a great person. Flo still. didn't even piss me off compared to Leonard Owusu this game. He was being a real Daniel Shalloway. Mm. Uh, Leonard Owusu, he ran <laughs> 30 yards to pick a fight with Andy Rios. First of all, Andy Rios, come on, pick on someone else. Like, Andy Rios has got enough problems. Like... <laughs> He's not worth it, Leonard. Come on. <laughs> and I don't get it. Like, he's a good player, I guess. Like, but, you know, he's not even. He's in the same level as Lalas Abubakar for the Rapids, and he was partially responsible for Jeremy Abobasi getting hurt. And it's just like, you know, these players like to get into the skin. Maybe they've been following some advice from Quincy Amariqua, who. He's playing for the Oakland Roots, and they were in a wild 4-3 thriller against San Diego Loyal earlier today. But, yeah, just, you know, Leonard Woos, don't be like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was quite the intense game. Uh, uh, next question comes from Onik Rosnov, noted the return of the 1-1 draw curse returned and the Quakes desired more. Nothing gets past Onik. Like, every time he comments on the – San Jose Earthquakes Facebook page, like he drops a nugget of wisdom, and he's just one of the best at that. So it's always great talking to him, or at least just seeing him his posts. And 
We talked a little bit about uh, why Yule played in the center back when Alanis was available. Or I guess we talked about the benefits of making that decision, which is what Diego asked. But Osvaldo Alanis, uh, he's just kind of fallen off the map. He has tired legs, that's for sure. He, mm-hmm. he, I remember his last press conference, he said, we're, we're running a lot. And it seemed like a broken man. I hate to say it, but it seemed like someone that was just tired. Um, and maybe this long season is a lot, and it's probably for a player that's you know up in his age. Um, and it seems like he needs to take a rest. Lastly, Daniel Estrada asked the question everyone's been thinking. Why don't they always play like they do against Austin FC? And I have two answers for you. One, we don't know. That's the part of the inconsistency. And two... And we have some friends who are Austin fans, so we mean this with love and respect. We can't play Austin every game. We can't play FC Dallas every game. We have to play teams that are higher in the table than us. And that means that we're not going to be able to win 4-0 all the time. And even if we were Bayern Munich, they don't win 4-0 every game either. So, unfortunately, the Quakes are what they are, and we just can't get our act together enough to make the playoffs to make our minimum expectations and that's where we are as we wrap up this podcast but i mean you know what team actually wins 5-0 in all their derbies no liverpool no that's not true (laughs) before this before today most of the liverpool manchester united games recently have been lower scoring (laughs) yeah they have but i mean now you got to live with this one right no but it's a be- it's better for you guys. No Ole now, so so you think like they'll find a reason to keep him until it's official. I I don't believe it, but yeah. so the whole theme that I was thinking of when Austin and Vancouver were the next two games on our schedule, and, and after that would be Portland. Is like okay, so in the movie Sky High, for those of you who didn't watch it, it's a Disney movie from like circa two thousand five. It was about this kid who had two superhero parents. And he didn't have any powers. So he was automatically placed in the sidekick class. And the hero class were the good powered students. Like they had the actual superhero powers that people wanted. And MLS is kind of similar. Even though we are all uh, good teams at a certain level. We have talented players. There's the hero class and there's the sidekick class. There's the clubs that everyone thinks is impressive in one way, shape, or form. And then there's the sidekick class where... We're the rest of the league, essentially. Fabi, do you want me to tell you who I put for which class, or do you want to guess them? Um, I'll guess them. I'll guess them. I think that's a little little more intriguing. I, I would say sidekick class right now, off the top of my head, Colorado Rapids. <laughs> yes, I did put them in Colorado. And the reason for that is they still fly under the radar. I think after this season, if they can have a strong playoff push, I'll put them in hero. But... So um, I think they need a rebrand. I think that's the problem. I the burgundy so. doesn't do them any justice. I like the burgundy. Mm. Like it's a it's uh, a unique color. You do. Yeah. But RSL anyway. sidekick. RSL is a sidekick. Yep. Yeah. DC United sidekick. Yes. At the beginning of MLS's history, they would have been in the hero class. They won four MLS cups, but that feels like mm. ages ago now. So they're a sidekick. Inter Miami hero. They're a sidekick because they cheated. They tried to sign more DPs ah. than they were allowed, so they're banned from the hero class for now. Sorry, David Beckham. 
<laughs> New York City FC. Absolutely hero. a hero. They but murdered Red DC Bulls United. I put New York Red Bulls a hero because they're backed by Red Bull. So all the Red Bull clubs, they're ah. kind of heroes in their respective leagues. They're not as dominant as Salzburg in Austria, and they're not as, you know, haven't hit the heights lately as RB Leipzig did in Germany. But New York Red Bulls, they're always going to be uh, somewhat front of mind. And MLS media loves to push the Hudson River Derby, even though none of the fans seem too interested in it these days. Yeah, and. Okay, um, and then I have – let's look at the Ohio teams. Cincinnati and Columbus, both sidekicks. For now, until they're officially eliminated from the playoffs, I'll keep Columbus in the hero class because they did win the MLS Cup recently. But Cincinnati, mm-hmm. for sure, they're sidekicks. They're almost dropouts, but and they're then, sidekicks. <laughs> both LA, LA teams are heroes, heroes yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I think – Go ahead and tell me the rest yes. because I'm blanking. Okay, so the hero class, Atlanta United, Columbus Crew, the L.A. Clubs, New England Revolution, Red Bulls in New York City, Orlando City, Philadelphia Union, Portland Timbers, Seattle Sounders, Sporting Kansas City. Any objections, Favi? Nope. I think that's fair. Okay. So th- that, of course, leaves Austin, Chicago, Cincinnati, Rapids, FC Dallas, DC United, Houston Dynamo, Inter Miami, Minnesota, because they're underdogs, of course, uh, Montreal, Nashville, Real Salt Lake, San Jose, Toronto, and Vancouver as the sidekicks. And Toronto, that was one yeah, I, I debated the most between because yeah. until recently they would have been in a hero class, but they've been so bad and they don't have Sebastian Juvenko anymore. So Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Don't he came back? Th- are you serious? Yeah, J- Sebastian Jovinko is a Toronto FC player. Why do I am so ill prepared for these MLS transfers for an MLS podcast? I am so sorry, <laughs> listeners. I will for this is probably the worst research I've prepared for a podcast. But thank you for listening anyway. <laughs> no, no, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. That's that's the only reason. <laughs> No, he's not. Oh, yeah. He says, according to maybe they didn't update the Wikipedia, but it says he just added a contract to Al Halal. When was this announced? Well, well, so he was watching a couple of Toronto FC games a while ago, and then there was a lot of rumors saying that he was already signing pen and paper um, to go ahead and play for Toronto again next season. All right. Well, hopefully so, this podcast isn't enough to demote me from hero class to psychic class and tectonic takes. Uh, I'm kidding. All of us here at tectonic <laughs> takes are heroes. Everyone's been doing great work from podcasts, yeah. videos, written work. Be sure to check out all our stuff. Uh, we retweet everything on our Twitter account at tectonic takes. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Ivan Ornelas too. Fabi, where can we find you? Uh, well, you can find me on Fabian Rankle on Twitter, and then um, make sure to follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. on Titanic Takes and Titanic Takes Espanol, um, as well as we have a Patreon. And I want to give a quick shout out to all of our great Patreon supporters. We are finally getting out of debt, so <laughs> thank you to all you guys. We uh, meaning that we we were able to cover all of our costs. So thank you so much for that. Um, we have this brand new software that we're using. Um, we are all looking pretty, and we look and sound pretty. So uh, thank you to all you guys that helped fund that. Um, but, yeah, I want to go ahead and 
say thank you, Ivan, for having me back on. Yes. Um, it's been a while. Let's thank and, our uh, sponsors thank as well. So uh, yep. we are sponsored. Thank you for the Beautiful Game Network for providing us a platform to produce these podcasts. Thank you to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And also, did you know that scarf trading is a real thing? So at the tailgate, we had a couple of Vancouver Whitecaps fans join us, and they talked wow. about how they have a extensive scarf collection of different MLS clubs. It, they always bring extras to scarf trade. So if you're someone who likes to collect things like that, that could be something you can do, and that's something you can start with Roughneck Scarves. <laughs> That's actually really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And tired of the same old uniform, the cookie care templates from Nike and Adidas? Kind of. <laughs> Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or your son's eventual school uniform in a couple years? <laughs> right, right. Yes. Yes, I'm tired of it already. <laughs> <laughs> Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. It can even create you a camouflage Manchester United kit like me that I'm going to need for the next couple weeks as they're complete trash right now. Um, let them create hey, help Pogba you design that, your yeah. new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. They will probably get a phone call from me shortly because that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and well, thankfully yeah. the quakes weren't the biggest embarrassment this weekend. That's the good part. <laughs> oh. Yeah, all I gotta say is, uh, I guess we can't really say go quakes now. We, we can say, say go Dubs, you. go Dub, go Dubs, go Raiders. Yeah, go Raiders. <laughs> um, that might go alienate Raiders. the 49ers fans. Go 49ers too, I guess. Um, uh, <laughs> um, just for you fans out there, uh, I won't. Are you? You won't catch me are wearing you picking a, a team, jersey. Ivan, for the playoffs. Um, for the playoffs, uh, no, but what I do do for the playoffs is I follow every non San Jose Quicks rival account on Twitter so that way I can stay up to date and I at least see what they're doing and I can be a bit more invested in the playoffs that way. Hmm. Yeah. I'm choosing, I think Orlando City is going to win it all. You think, you think so? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Now you did play well today, so we'll see. Um, we do have two more uh, regular season uh, podcasts coming for you. We're going to double up one more time for the final time this season. Uh, Portland Timbers and Real Salt Lake, we're going to do that in one podcast. And we're going to do one po final podcast for the FC Dallas. And then we'll go into our playoff content, international break, and then our offseason content. Uh, Favi, any chance that you'll book a flight from Japan to San Jose for the season finale? I wish, I wish, I wish. It might I be too be much. There for yeah. Wando's last it might be too much to I ask wish. of your wife. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it might be too much to ask my pocketbook because I'm my, your boy is broke. I can't come back for a thousand five hundred for one game. You know. So, Are you yeah, able to afford uh, a brilliant yeah, no, diamond or shining pearl right. at least? Um, I'm excited for it, but no, I'm probably gonna get that on the secondhand market. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I purchased an orange GameCube for ten bucks, so I was really excited about that. That and reminds me, are like fifteen dollars. <laughs> One last plug, like Tectonic Gaming, like join our Discord because we do have some fun stuff planned yeah. for there. I post updates of both the uh, Essex Clash Wanderers FC Create Club Career Mode, where Eric Winalda is trying to navigate uh, San Jose Earthquakes Sister Club in Essex. A Across the lower leagues into the Premier League. We're currently in season one of that. And I'll also post updates of other projects I'm doing for FIFA, such as my Newcastle United rebuild, quote unquote, the right way without the uh, investments. And 
we'll also have some other challenges if you like other FIFA modes. Maybe we'll incorporate stuff for Pokemon. Maybe we'll do some uh, Tectonic Takes group Nuzlocke challenges or something for the remakes. We'll see what we do there. Yep. <laughs> but definitely go ahead and follow us on Discord. It's a lot of fun. So please go ahead and and all I have to say, Ivan, is uh, go everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Go Quakes. Let's keep it simple. Yeah. Go Quakes. Have a good night or whenever you're listening to this podcast. <laughs>